With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated BF Goodrich All-Terrain TAKO2. But did you know they sell other automotive products, wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few? Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The volume. Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. There's a lot of reasons. It's America's number one sportsbook. Incredibly easy to use. Super safe. Totally secure. Super fast payouts in as quick as two hours. You're not going to get that anywhere. Also, same game parlay bets. Live betting. It's the best. Hey, if you're new... Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I did it in 15 seconds. Get started now. Sign up. Please use the promo code Colin so they know we sent you. Please use the promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. FanDuel Sportsbook app. Sign up. This is Prime Cuts, the best of the Colin Coward podcast. This week, Ian O'Connor looked at the unceremonious ending to Coach K's career and Tigers Masters returning had great stories. United States men's national coach Greg Berhalter discussed the pressure on Christian Pulisic and his team's World Cup chances. Longtime Boston sports writer Bob Ryan, post-Tom Brady, Boston Celtics, lots of stuff to cover there. First, my top takes of the week. So reportedly, Frank Vogel, a good guy who's won a title, is out of a job with the Lakers at the conclusion of the season. Listen, this is an unwinnable task. When I can identify by the third game of the season, your primary weaknesses, no elite three-point shooters, too old of a roster to defend the three, and old expensive rosters mean more injuries and longer to heal If I can identify that, three games in, Frank Vogel has no shot here. Let's be totally honest what the Lakers are asking the next coach to do. It would be asking an accountant to fix the books at Enron. There is no easy out once Russell Westbrook, whoever okayed the deal, 
No easy answer for the next coach. Now, we know one or two things. Vogel's going to be out, and so is Westbrook. But you could put Eric Spolstra in this. You could put Ty Lue in this or Greg Popovich. There's real limitations here. Coaches, as you know, have no leverage and virtually no say in this league. I watched for years in Indiana as Frank Vogel took Roy Hibbert and Paul George and gave Chris Bosh, LeBron James, Ray Allen, D. Wade, coached by Eric Spolstra, fits in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I watched Frank Vogel go into the bubble the only time in league history that young teams flourished in the playoffs and old teams eroded win a championship with old LeBron and frail Anthony Davis. Don't tell me Frank Vogel can't coach. It's interesting what's happening in sports. Kevin Durant had ultimate leverage and power. And look at what he's created in Brooklyn. Since the day he and Kyrie arrived with the Nets, they have won 54% of their games. That's 13th best in the league. Aaron Rodgers, ultimate power in Green Bay. They now have the worst receiving core in the league. And LeBron James, as much power as any NBA star, and he and his camp wanted Westbrook. Now, he doesn't want to leave LA. His family doesn't want to leave LA. And there is no short, quick fix to this mess of an aged roster. Be very careful about demanding power because people with it generally use it much to their downfall. Listen, same shit, different day. You've heard about that? You've heard that saying before? Same shit, different day? This is same shit, different coach. There's no fix here. The NBA forces you to make trades with virtually equal salaries. You're just taking on bad contracts the minute you get rid of Westbrook. And so, you know, I've, I've told people there was an old comedian named Jackie Gleason. And he, at one point, he was as powerful as anybody on television, like Johnny Carson in the 80s powerful. And Jackie Gleason used to say, if you've got power, you don't really need to use it. People get out of your way. Kevin Durant had power. Aaron Rodgers had power. LeBron had power. Think about this. LeBron and Kevin Durant probably missed the playoffs. On any given night, the two best players in the league. Giannis lets his front office and his coaches and the culture do their thing. He comes to play every night as a great teammate. He has the best team in the league. Said it before. Give people power, they're going to use it, and often to their own peril. It apparently made a few people upset when I suggested the reason the Rams have so many high-priced stars and other teams can't afford them is the Rams have smarter people running their organization. Let me give you an example. The Chicago Bears, my sources have told me for years that upstairs, the Bears don't know what they're doing. So the Bears don't pay their quarterback, Justin Fields. They don't pay Mooney, their best young receiver. They don't have a top five highest paid offensive lineman. Yet they had to let go of Allen Robinson, Kyle Fuller, and Khalil Mack in the last couple of years. Who are they paying? The Rams have top of the market Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Matt Stafford, Bobby Wagner. 
And they're still, still trying to make deals. They bring in Allen Robinson, despite that, who will now be one of the higher paid number two receivers in the NFL. Guys don't like to hear this. So much about guys is respect and their professional success. 5% of guys are smarter. Elon Musk is smarter than anybody in his industry. Steve Jobs was. Reed Hastings at Netflix. I know it drives people crazy. The Rams have a smarter owner, a smarter GM, a smarter coach than virtually everybody in the league. You start looking at the Giants and the Chicago Bears. They're not paying their quarterbacks and they're not in on any top free agent signings. Think about the Bears. They had to let their best receiver, their best pass rusher, and their best corner go in the last two years. Who in the hell are they paying? It's all jammed up in their front seven defensively in a league where increasingly linebackers are a limited leverage unit. I mean, the Rams and Bengals get to the Super Bowl, both the weakest parts of their teams were linebacking cores. And in the Bengals case, O-line and linebacking cores. I know it drives people nuts, but the NFL has very few elite front offices and quarterbacks and O-lines and owners and GMs. The Rams have hit the trifecta. Coach, GM, owner, all top 2%. Use the Bears as an example of the gap between how each franchise can manipulate the salary cap. It's got a hard floor. It's a hard cap. Look at how the Rams manipulate it and how the Bears are overwhelmed by it. So one of the last free agent moves of note, talented wide receiver Devontae Parker from Miami was traded to the New England Patriots. The Patriots receiving core gets a little bit of a jolt, but it's still Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Parker. You know, it's not exactly the Chiefs. What I find fascinating about New England is for years and years, we thought Bill was sort of ahead of the curve on virtually everything. Now, we know now, post-Brady divorce, even he can't win at the highest levels without a great quarterback. But I swear to God, if I didn't know better, I'd think he was tanking it and giving Robert Kraft his franchise back with no coordinators, no skilled people, and no elite edge rushers. Look at their roster. They can't stop the Buffalo Bills with J.C. Jackson. He's gone. They can't score and keep up with teams like the Chiefs or the Bills, and they didn't re-sign Shaq Mason. I don't know what they're doing. Reports now that Belichick will call plays. Doesn't it feel like he's still pissed about that Jimmy Garoppolo trade? And he's just going to hand Kraft a franchise, retire. It's going to have no coordinators. They'll need a new head coach and no playmakers. Now, I know that's not true. But on all the Belichick books, of which Ian O'Connor wrote a great one, Jeff Benedict wrote a great one. They really fell in love with their system. And what you're watching now is a team that simply doesn't match up. If you go look at the last two to three Super Bowls, quarterback, pass rush, weapons, they're not elite in 
any of those groups. I don't understand their offseason. Now, I know they spent a ton last year in free agency. I get it. And maybe they believe with their complex system, a second year in their system, some of those guys that didn't pop will, like Nelson Aguilar. But if somebody can explain where their money's going, they're not paying Mac Jones. They're not paying big money to any of the receivers. They're not paying big money now to any of their offensive linemen. They're not paying big money to a corner or a safety or an edge rusher. Where's it going? Let's bring on a regular contributor to the volume sports, Ian O'Connor, columnist, New York Post. The book is called Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. Um, I thought you've been following Mike now for some time. The timing of this, obviously, when you plan to write this book, you looked off in the horizon a couple of years ago and said, OK, I'm going to deep dive on this stuff. I thought it was so sad on a golf cart with his longtime wife, Mickey, having lost to North Carolina for the second time in a month. God, Ian, it was so anticlimactic. It was just such a thud. So I'll start, I'll start with that. He could not figure out North Carolina's riddle. Um, how disappointed was he immediately after the game? Oh, I mean, he was, he was as disappointed as you could be. And it was interesting. He said, I, I don't think I've ever heard a coach say this in, in his locker room after the game, the devastation was so profound that everyone was crying. And he said that was a beautiful sight. And I never heard a coach describe that scene that way. And after a, a devastating defeat, and I understood what he meant. And he explained it, that that was proof that his kids cared so much about the effort and the result. And either they're, they're going to be tears of, of great joy or tears of, of great sadness. And, and unfortunately, they were on the wrong end of that. But at least there were tears throughout the locker room. And that told him that what well, I think he already knew about this group, because honestly, Colin, five minutes left against Michigan State in round two, down five. We all thought they were losing. Yep. Just watching that team this year, 35 times. And even talking to some of the Duke beat writers, everyone thought they were losing because they had not shown that toughness in end game tense situations. And they grew up in real time for him. And I think they gave him a gift that game, the Texas Tech game, the Arkansas game that as much as last night really hurt and it really hurt. He understood that they did give him a gift and they got him to the final four for a 13th time passing John Wooden. He was never obviously going to catch Wooden with 10 national titles. But that, this group got him past John Wooden for Final Four appearances, and I think he can't really fully repay them for that, and he understood that as well. I've got to ask you one a Tiger Woods question. He's gone from can't walk to may play at the Masters <laughs> over the course of about six months. Um, your gut feeling this morning if we see Tiger this weekend? Uh, oh, so he's got to make the cut. I, I thought you were going to no, no, get no. it. Will he play? Yes. Yes. And listen, he's got a Tuesday uh, press conference scheduled at 11 a.m. Eastern. And uh, he's scheduled to practice uh, today, Monday. Uh, he, he practiced Sunday at Augusta. And uh, I think he'll play nine holes today, maybe 18. Who knows? But probably nine. And absolutely, at this point, there's no way he even last week would have shown up at Augusta National to practice if he wasn't planning on playing. Now, if he wakes up Thursday morning 
and all of a sudden out of the blue, his leg is killing him. Right. Then I guess, but no, he's playing. He's playing. And I, now whether or not he'll make the cut, listen, he's never entered a tournament in his life that he didn't expect to win. Do, he doesn't expect to win this, this Masters, but I, I believe deep down he thinks he has a shot, right? So he'll never enter a tournament where he feels he has no shot. So I think he must believe he's got a little bit of a shot to pull this off. Ben Hogan, of course, did it in 16 months, nearly got killed by a Greyhound bus. 16 months later, he wins the U.S. Open. Tigers talked about Hogan and that comeback as the greatest in the history of golf and maybe in the history of sports. This is now 13 months and change. So if he could somehow contend, which may seem unlikely and which, which may seem really improbable, win, then he out Hogan's Hogan. <laughs> now, I, I, I mentioned that in a column. I got a lot of uh, blowback from older fans who said, listen, Ben Hogan almost died getting hit by a Greyhound bus that swerved into his lane. You can't compare that to a self-inflicted crash or rollover. And we don't know all the details, really, right. of, of what where Tiger was and, and was he asleep. So I, I've gotten that from some older fans. And I, I sort of brushed that aside to me. Hey, the guy came back from nearly having his leg amputated in a crash after a crash uh, 13 plus months ago. If he somehow contends, that's going to be one of the greatest golf stories of all time. Listen, his last Masters win was, I mean, I, I've said this, it's one of the seminal golf memories of my life. I mean, we've all got the Norman at the Masters. Uh, we've got Tiger and that Rocco Mediate playoff to me at the U.S. Open. Tiger's win at the Masters last time was one of the one of the few times I always try to consider myself sort of a judge. You know, the fans are the jury. <laughs> uh, the participants are the uh, the DA and the, the prosecuting attorney. And I'm just a judge, right? I was so emotional watching that. And so, I mean, I, I don't know if you can top it. Do you, you remember his last Masters win? What stuck out to you? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I've been doing this 36, 37 years. It's the greatest sporting event I've ever covered. And wow. Part, be, partly because uh, my brother, uh, it was my last trip with my brother. I, I never got a Masters ticket until that's the first time I ever got a Masters ticket. That was the 20th one I covered. And I gave it to my brother. So he had never been to a major before. So we go and there we, we had a point blank look at the 16th green at the putt that basically sealed it. And we're walking to the 17th tee. And I said, Dan, you've never seen a major golf championship. You are now watching the greatest masters of all time. And unfortunately, unexpectedly, he died months later. So it was our last trip together. So I admit that's part of why it's to me the greatest right. sporting event. But I think even if, if you took that away and boy, I wish I could, uh, that would still be number one. It was. It's just remarkable to see him uh, win after uh, what he had endured. And again, some of it was, if not a lot of it, was self-inflicted. Uh, but uh, I choose to look at the art and the artist and sort of separate and put it in its own category and box and appreciate the greatness. And then to see him hug his son afterward, oh. was really close to that moment after obviously in 97 being there when Earl hugged him. It was, uh, man, it's hard to beat that. It is. This baseball season turned K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers at FanDuel step up to the plate with a risk-free first bet up to $1,000. Risk-free. I like betting money lines, totals, players' props, same-game parlays, bet a little, win a lot. Just sign up, place your first bet. FanDuel will refund you 
up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. Listen, FanDuel, get paid fast, safe and secure, great promotions every day. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, sign up, use the promo code Colin to get started. Risk-free, first bet up to 1000 bucks. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-HOP P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. So, uh, Greg Berhalter does not need my support as head coach of the U.S. men's national soccer team since 2018. But I often find myself in the crosshairs of the crazies on the internet. Um, we have a history in this country is when the U.S. wins, the players are amazing. And when they lose, the coach is a bum. And Greg has to have seen some of this. And I have come to his defense many times. And again, he doesn't need it. But one of the uh, criticisms that I find really remarkable is, and I do think you've done a remarkable job with this, but you inherited a culture that was adrift, a roster that was aging, Um and I, I didn't I didn't feel like outside of Christian Pulisic, I didn't know what we were. So let's go to this. When you first take it over your first six weeks, what was your primary mission? Right. Just just like you're taking over a college basketball or football program. What did you identify is a problem that you needed to fix, Greg, quickly? It's a great question. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of time before my first meeting with the players just doing background and talking to a number of players, talking to a number of coaches and trying to figure out exactly what was wrong, reflecting on my own playing days with the national team. Um, and what it came down to, Colin, it, it was pretty clear that they just lacked a vision. The program lacked something to, to latch onto and say, okay, you know, no, through good and bad, we know through sacrifice, through hard times, you know, we can always just align towards achieving this vision and they lack that. So for us as a staff, it was creating this vision of where we want to take the program and then say, okay, guys, if we say we want to do this, what is it going to take? What are you willing to sacrifice to, to do it? And um, I think that was impactful. And we've been really intentional about, you know, hammering home similar messages and, and, you know, creating values and, and things that we stand for as a group. And, and that, that process has been um, gratifying. And I think that process has helped us in qualifying for sure. Like any sport, you need your star to buy in. How long for Christian Pulisic that you felt a buy-in? You know, I, I think with Christian, you know, my initial meeting with him, I immediately saw a spark in his eye and, and there was, you know, there was acceptance, but like anything, um, it, it's easier said than done. And I think it did take a while um, just because everyone had a hangover from 2018 and everyone wants to win right away. But I knew it was going to take some time before this group to, could really get 
to where it needed to, to get to because of our age, because of our inexperience. Um, so, you know, he's the, the first thing I'd say about Christian for being such a big star. He's the most humble down to earth, you know, well-meaning person that you can come in contact with. So that's a great starting point, but like anyone, he wants to be successful. He wants to win on the field. And, um, so, you know, I think that the real change started, I guess, in, in last summer when, you know, when we won the nation's league that the, the players believed it was possible. Greg, I, I feel like we're in, there's four stages in my opinion, and you can slice and dice these up and push back, but four stages in soccer. The first stage was my childhood. Kyle wrote Junior's a star. We don't have elite international players. We're welcoming the sport to America. Um, we have some athletes, but we don't have high skill. The second stage to me is Landon Donovan Dempsey, uh, 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 Clinton Dempsey. It is um, tough. Some guys getting international opportunities, capable of making the World Cup and winning a match. I do think we've moved into a third stage. Multiple players good enough to play internationally can occasionally be very effective internationally. The fourth stage is can win the World Cup. I don't think we're there. I think as Winston Churchill said, too bad youth is wasted on the young. I think we're really, really young. young. Mm-hmm. How can concerned are you about that now you got some pushback because you would play some older mls players and my takeaway was we well, are doing that for the obvious reasons your skill levels really good by u.s men's historic standards but we've got kids here um when i talk about stage three as skilled as we've ever been but boy we lack some world cup experience do, do you is, is that a concern not really, because we've gone all in in this generation of players and, you know, we'll be the youngest team in the World Cup and it's going to be about gaining valuable experience while trying to compete and while trying to, to go as far as we've ever gone before. And the good thing about it is we have guys, young players that are playing in the Champions League. They know what it's like to, to win. They know what it's like to win big games. They have high demands from their clubs to win big games. And it's, not, it's no different with us. We're going to be in a, in a very similar situation. So I think that um, you know, this, this World Cup, I think, is going to be a great experience for the group. Um, you know, we're going to be pushing. Sometimes I think if you don't know any better, you can go out and do it, right? But once you realize what it takes, it's harder. Right. Um, so, so that might be in our benefit as well. But, um, you know, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting for sure. Listen, uh, you're in a group with England, Iran. This may be Iran's best team, a Euro playoff winner. Um, the English press said it was the easiest group, kind of a shot at your, at your team. How did you take that? I think it's typical. Um, you know, when you, when you actually, if you look at the FIFA rankings, um, if if Wales makes it as well, we'll have the hardest group by FIFA rankings. Um, if you add up all the numbers, right? So, but it's but I can understand. You know, the English press are what they are. You know, we we don't have that respect yet from the English press, right. and that's fine. You know, because we're going to have to earn that respect, and the the World Cup is a platform to do that. Greg, there there is a balance of having a star player and then being overly reliant on a Messi or Ronaldo. Um, and one of the problems of that is your opponents can identify that. I noticed Panama got very chippy with Pulisic. You smartly, I mean, I literally tweeted it. 
get him out of the game. Boom, you pulled him out. So you saw the same thing. How do you create a synergy on the team where you need and can rely on Christian in big moments, but are not overly dependent on him? Because it's very clear to me over the last since you took this team over, uh, he's a target. People are coming after him physically. Yep. And and part of that has to do with his skill set and how he's most effective. You know, a lot of times he likes the ball to feet. He likes to dribble the ball. So by nature, you have the ball longer and by nature, you can be fouled easier. Um, but with him in particular, it's just us understanding the, te- the team, the coaches and his teammates understanding what makes him special and then utilizing him in, in that way. He's very good at arriving in the penalty box. He's very good at scoring goals when he does. Yeah. And that's what we need to focus on. And, and I think, and then him understanding that he does, there's no extra pressure on him to do more. He just needs to be himself because that's good enough for us. And I think once he comes that, to that realization um, and then his teammates know how to utilize him in the best possible way, he's, he's going he's gonna to shine for us. All right, long time and now retired Boston Globe sports writer, but he's on social media, relevant as ever, opinions as strong as ever. Somebody I enjoy talking to a couple times of the year and having lived in that area for about eh, 10 to 11 years. Um, I was not introduced to him, certainly in Connecticut, but uh, saw more of him and I loved it. And now I'm back out west and Bob remains in Boston. All right, let's start with this. There are those who are saying in the Boston media, they subscribe to the theory that uh, Tom is a little bit of a sellout. Um, you know, the new Tom is, you know, a little into social media, a little goofy, is not paying respect, you know, to sort of his historic um, relevance and and his his greater half, which is the New England half. I've argued this, that he suppressed a lot of his personality in New England for the betterment of the organization. And this is really who Tom is. Tom's kind of funny. Tom is wildly competitive. He just bumped Bruce Arians to a job he never wanted, a cubicle upstairs. He's a lot more cutthroat than we think. Um, you know, hyper vigilant and willful. That's who he is. But Tom also, especially early in New England, suppressed it because he realized very quickly, this is a great owner and this is the best coach in the history of football. And my defenses are remarkable. Um which is the truth? Is this the real Tom? Is the other guy the real Tom? What do you make of his transformation in Tampa? Well, it's interesting. He, uh, he, he left the ranks of the normal human being a long time ago when he just completely went off the rails with this regimen of his and the whole the whole TB12 thing and, yeah. and claiming that, you know, he could you could will your way away from concussions. And, you know, come on, Tom, let's get you know real here. Uh, that 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 surfaced. And but you're right. This this some of this other stuff. Uh, came out after he got away from Bill. And now we find, um, you know, if you read uh, the two books that are out, The Dynasty and by Jeff Benedict and, and the uh, uh, Better to Be Feared book, and uh, it's pretty evident that he was happy to get away from Bill after all these years. He had done enough winning with Bill and, and he had enough of Bill's methodology and he wanted to, to get away uh, from Bill. This, I, don't, I think it's pretty evident for that. But you're right, he, there probably was a more of a, of a, I won't say carefree, but mirthful personality than uh, than he was ever allowed to, which chose to display in Boston. So I think you're probably on the right track with that. You know, Pete Carroll has a lot of power when Paul Allen died. 
and the Seahawk drafts have gotten progressively worse, the more power Pete Carroll had. Belichick historically is a terrible drafter, uh, the more power he had, especially of skill people. Last year, he had his best draft in a decade, arguably, because you know it it was documented that he sort of relinquished some of his power. Um, Bill will always be as smart as any coach I've ever seen. But the league is now, Bob, as you see clearly, moving in a different direction. The middle of the field is now the offenses. You can't hit quarterbacks or wide receivers. The NFC, every playoff team had an offensive coach. If you eliminate the AFC East that had only defensive coaches, seven of eight remaining divisions were won by an offensive coach. McVeigh's, Zach Taylor's, uh, the, the young coaches, McVeigh's tree, they're all working. Belichick's defensive tree, Many aren't working. Um, Is it reasonable to say, as brilliant as Bill is, that between drafting and the cultural changes, Bill is starting. I mean, he's going to be his own coordinator now offensively, according to reports. Bill's starting, not Jurassic, but feeling a tad, a tad outdated. There are cultural changes. Greg Popovich faced this. It's more, you know, letting Kawhi go in petty fashion. They've never really recovered from that. Do, do you think it's fair to say I, I see Bill and I think not that he's Bobby Knight, right, who refused to embrace the one and done, um, but he feels C.J. Jackson or J.C. Jackson. Bill, he's your he's arguably your best player. Shaq Mason, arguably your best offensive lineman. He's starting to feel a little outdated, Bob. There is a, uh, a, a clear sense of arrogance uh, that has manifested itself here that he thinks he can do it the way he did it. And uh, he, he, you mentioned that he's just lost his offensive coordinator. And, and, and uh, we don't know what, how that's going to uh, you know, uh, evolve this year. Uh, he's, he's infested, he professed to have a lot of faith in, in, in the Matt Patricia uh, to he's his chair, he's his, really his number one lieutenant now, uh, and back maybe where he belongs because he certainly wasn't a success in, as a head guy. And you're right, the coaching tree of his is pretty undistinguished. I mean, I mean including McDaniel's first foray, you yeah. know, when, when he flopped in Denver. Uh, no, there's an arrogance there, and and believe me, people are are uh, watching this. All these major things happen around the league and in the division, and starting in Buffalo, you know, where now they have the kid. You'll have, the, you'll have the guy for 20, for well, damn near 20 years. They have the guy now. Think about this. I mean, I know you know this, but for people to think about this, a stunning thing. And you wonder if it was anybody else, but would have, it would have gotten any more. Buffalo, they played Buffalo twice in the end and, and, and they never punted. They never forced Buffalo off the field. Not once. Not once. Not once in, in, in 120 minutes of football did they force Buffalo off the field. Uh, I mean, that, that, that was chill. It's stunning. Um, so no, you're right. There's a, uh, there's an arrogance there and, and, uh, uh, there, it, 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 and you know what the famous Lord Acton quote is power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. So if he hangs around long enough, now he's going to be 70 his next birthday. And, and that's a decision. Bob Kraft is what's, who's, what's Bob Kraft seeing? What's he thinking? Bob Kraft has been able to function for all these years in bill. I trust, you know, very, you know, let Bill do what he wants. Bill runs everything the way Bill wants to run it. Fine. Bill can be an ass after a game and, you know, and that's fine. You know, embarrass your organization. That's fine. You know, we'll get the benefit in the end. But uh, maybe the benefit, you know, the benefits aren't going to be so good from now. But I think that I'd love to know what, what Bob Kraft, you know, how close attention is he really paying to all this? 
Well, he said at the owner meetings. That, right. I, yeah. About that. I'm, I'm tired of three years. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But what does that mean? All right. All right fine. Well, so how are you going to affect this or uh, affect this? Not, I, I don't know. You're right. He did say that. And so clearly publicly he says that. But what's meanwhile, you know, what's he saying behind closed doors? I'd love to know. Belichick had said years ago, and this is something I think Robert Kraft has to look at. Belichick said years ago, maybe six or seven years ago, he was only going to acquire draft or trade for players he wanted to coach. It's like, okay, be very careful. Okay, some of the great players, you may not love coaching. I heard one of the reasons that they let J.C. Jackson walk is because they didn't think if they franchise tagged him, they thought it would be difficult. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, Bill, sometimes great players are difficult. Mm -hmm. This is the interesting thing with Belichick. When he said that, they had Brady and they were winning. But th this is where, this is the Greg Popovich connection here, is that not everybody is going to buy into your culture, but sometimes you need a great pass rusher and you need a great wide receiver because and that's where I am a little fearful that Belichick, he's got his legacy. He's got his net worth. Bob, he doesn't – too much power. He won't let go because he loves every aspect of his job. He loves it all. Like he's in glory. He's in his glory, Colin. Right now, he loves preparing for the draft. He loves it. He loves everything about coaching. He likes OTAs. He likes training camp. He likes Sundays, you know, Monday nights. He likes to, but the only thing he doesn't like, and even this is, is misunderstood, is the dealing with the media. He can manipulate it the way he wants it. He gets better and better as the week goes on. That's a whole other story. You know, the, the Belichick that you see on Saturday, Sunday after a game or Monday night after a game is not the same Belichick you get on Saturday, on Friday when he's relaxed and, and is open to discussion about a lot of things. The man loves football. I would dare say it, no coach in the history of the league has had more football empirical knowledge stored in this head, which includes history, than anybody. He's, he's the number one football person that's ever coached in the NFL in terms of empirical knowledge about football. I say he knows more about Paul Brown than Mike Brown does. I mean, <laughs> and that's not a slant, that's just a joke. You know, that's a throwaway line, but that's to prove a point. But the point is, he loves it all. And he has a, there's no sign he loves, he, he loves it any less. Now, as he approaches 70, than he did 5, 10, or 15 years ago or when he was winning. So he's going to be hard to let the, the dislodge. I think your inference is, is completely accurate. But now, and this is where Bob Kraft comes in. Can Bob Kraft, you know, how's he handle this? You know, and, and that's going to be very, very interesting. At The Volume Sports, Twitter, Instagram, go to our YouTube page, At The Volume Sports, subscribe. Volume. Make sure to check out the Draymond Green show. I brought Draymond Green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports, unique perspective, understands behind the rope. Also chops up with guests like Gary Payton, Zach Levine, Tracy McGrady. Make sure download the Draymond Green show wherever you get your podcasts, only on the volume podcast network. 
Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.